Hey, Sacred Commons, thanks for listening to this podcast. We're recording it simultaneously on video uh, because we think we're going to use it for some other things, maybe. But we want to thank you for listening to this podcast on this Good Friday. And we decided to go over the Stations of the Cross. What you're going to hear is kind of an amalgam of uh, three sources. Brian Zond and his book, The Unvarnished Jesus. You're also going to hear the voice of St. Alphonsus de Liguori. And then finally, you're going to hear our friend. Uh, some of this comes from our friend, Father Bill, out in Beacon, New York at Salem Tabernacle. He shared some reflections with us, and I said, this is so good. I'm going to steal some of this. And he said to me, quote me the first time. The second time, you can say, I've heard it said. And the third time, just claim it as your own. I said, deal. But what you're going to hear is sort of an amalgam of all three of those voices. And these are just reflections on the Stations of the Cross. If you're watching this video later on, uh, you'll see the stations that were put up by our friends, Angelo and Andra LaMarca. And we want to thank Angelo and Andy for doing that. It was so beautiful. Thanks for doing that for the city. And um, you can see it if you want to. It's right there on Glenwood Avenue in Youngstown, Ohio. And so if you're watching this video later, those images come from their work as they put those that installment up. It's an installment done by Scott the Painter, a.k.a. Well, his name is Scott Erickson, but he's known as Scott the Painter, so a.k.a. Scott the Painter. All right. God, I, I ask that you would somehow, by your Spirit, give us the grace to journey with you tonight. We have given ourselves this entire Lenten season to walking with you. And Lord, I'm not sure we can make it all the way to the cross. With I know we can't make it all the way to the cross without your grace. So give us the grace to be found at the foot of your cross with your mother and your beloved disciple. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The first station is the garden. Jesus pleads for his life. He asks for this cup to pass from him. Jesus knows what it is like to have prayer that goes unanswered by God. The disciples fall asleep because they have no answer for Jesus in this moment. Trying to answer suffering just causes spiritual weariness. But being present with those who are suffering is exactly the answer that suffering is looking for. We ask of you, Father, to give us the grace to be with those who suffer, to mourn with those who mourn, not to give cheap answers or to try to come up with all the solutions on the spot, but just to be present with those who are suffering. Amen. The second station, betrayed and arrested. We betray and arrest people who threaten the way of life that makes being ourselves the easiest. We arrest those who threaten our comfortable status quo. Insanity will be embraced and prolonged by any means necessary 
as long as it's normalized. We arrest all threats to our easiest way of life. Lord Jesus, may we be disciples who are faithful to you as you are and never betray you with a kiss by trying to force you to be something other than you are. Amen. The third station is before the Sanhedrin. When Jesus remained silent before his accusers, the high priests in frustration placed Jesus under oath and demanded to know if he was the Messiah. Jesus responded cryptically saying, you have said so, but then said something truly astounding. But I tell you from now on, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. With this, the high priest tore his robes and screamed, Blasphemy! In his trial before the Sanhedrin, Jesus claims to be that Son of Man and tells Caiaphas that from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power. In other words, the endless age of the reign of Christ began 2,000 years ago. Lord Jesus, you are the Son of Man who has been given all power and dominion over the nations by the Ancient of Days. May we live as faithful subjects of the peaceable empire you have inaugurated. Amen. The fourth station is denial. The enemy of Christian witness is not messing up. It's quitting during the race of endurance. It's not sin that disqualifies us as disciples of Jesus, but quitting. Peter denied Jesus, but he didn't quit, and he was forgiven and restored. Judas betrayed Jesus and hung himself. Judas's betrayal of Jesus and Peter's denial of Jesus were not categorically different sins. They may have differed in culpability, but they were similar. If Peter could be forgiven and restored, so could Judas. When you hear the rooster crow, you may weep bitterly for a while, but don't give up, don't quit, don't hang yourself. Lord Jesus, we have all heard the rooster crow and shed our bitter tears because of our failures. Forgive and restore us that we might help heal our brothers and sisters. Amen. The fifth station is condemned. Consider how Jesus, after having been scourged and crowned with thorns, was unjustly condemned by Pilate to die on the cross. Jesus knows what it's like to be profiled and arrested on false accusations. He knows what it's like to be tried by unjust courts. We place people behind false narratives and we accuse them falsely to lessen the threat that they pose on our sinful status quo. Mockery, belittling, and removal of advocacy simply masks the insecurities of those who desire control. Barabbas was not a deranged serial killer as depicted in Mel Gibson's movie. Why would a crowd ever clamor for the release of a common murderer? If we imagine Barabbas as a homicidal maniac, we will never imagine ourselves among the crowd shouting, give us Barabbas. But we should. 
Barabbas wasn't a common criminal. He was a national hero. Barabbas was a William Wallace or George Washington. Lord Jesus, forgive us for the times we have unwittingly asked for Barabbas because we were still enchanted by the ways of violence. Lead us in your ways of peace. Amen. The sixth station, Jesus is stripped and scourged. Consider the violence with which the executioner stripped Jesus. His inner garments adhered to his torn flesh, and they dragged them off so roughly that the skin came with them. The Roman soldiers did what they did to Jesus as a cruel mockery. Nevertheless, this is the true coronation of the world's true king. This is the royal pageant for the king of kings. His acclaim is by insult. His crown is made of thorns. His scepter is a reed. The homage paid him is done in mockery. His procession is to carry his cross through town, and his throne will be that very cross. Yes, it's awful, but it's also paradoxically glorious. For this is how Jesus Christ became King of Kings. This is how God's kingdom of love entered into a cruel world energized by hate. Jesus will not become King at his second coming. Jesus became King on Good Friday. Lord Jesus, in deep solemnity and in pure worship, we bow before you and say, Hail to the King. Help us to believe that your kingdom comes by love and only by love. Amen. The seventh station is Jesus bears his cross. Consider how Jesus, in making this journey with the cross on his shoulders, thought of us and for us offered to his Father the death he was about to undergo. My most beloved Jesus, I embrace all the tribulations of my life and even my death. On Good Friday, we think about the way of Cain and how that way prevails among the crowd. Just as Cain killed Abel, now the crowd will kill Jesus. The crowd will again murder an innocent Abel. But the sacrifice of Jesus will tell the truth, expose the lie, and become the sacrifice to end sacrificing. And just as Isaac's story did not end at Moriah, so Jesus' story does not end at Golgotha. Lord Jesus, help us to be like Abraham and put down the knife. Help us to understand that no one ever again needs to be put to death in order to accomplish the will of God. Help us to be the children of God who choose mercy over sacrifice. I ask of you, by the merits of the pain you suffered in carrying your cross, to give me the necessary help to carry mine with perfect patience and resignation. Amen.
The Eighth Station Jesus Falls Consider this fall of Jesus under the weight of his cross. His flesh was torn by the whip, his head crowned with thorns, and he had lost a great quantity of blood. He was so weakened that he could scarcely walk, and yet he had to carry this great load upon his shoulders. The soldiers struck him, and thus he fell several times in his journey. My beloved Jesus, it is not the weight of the cross, but my sins, which have made thee suffer so much pain. By the merits of this fall, deliver me from the misfortune of falling into sin. Amen. Jesus is helped by Simon. From the story of Simon Serene, we are reminded that there are limits to what we can bear. But when we reach those limits, God will send someone to help. This is the beauty of the body of Christ and why the church is so necessary. Christianity is not a solo project. We can't go it alone. David couldn't do it by himself. Elijah couldn't do it by himself. Even Jesus couldn't do it by himself and you can't do it by yourself. Some days we have the honor of being Simon of Serene and helping a brother or sister carry the cross when it has become too much for them. Other days we are the one in need of a Simon of Serene. Whether we are helping or being helped, it's all the grace of God. Lord Jesus, send us a Simon of Serene when we have reached our limit and help us to be a Simon of Cyrene to those faltering around us. Amen. The Ninth Station Jesus Speaks to the Women Consider how those women wept with compassion at seeing Jesus in such a pitiable state, streaming with blood as he walked along. But Jesus said to them, Weep not for me, but for your children. Why does Jesus tell these compassionate women not to weep for him, but for themselves and their children? Because Jesus knows the horror that will befall Jerusalem within 40 years. Jesus knows that Jerusalem will fall under the unspeakable cruelties of siege warfare, that disease and famine will ravage the populace that civil war will break out among the factions within the besieged city. Jesus had tried to pull Jerusalem back from its hell-bent ways, but he knew that he had only given Jerusalem a 40-year stay of sentence. To glamorize war is to pave the road to hell. Jesus must inform their weeping, so they weep rightly. When we allow Jesus to inform our weeping, our tears become water that brings life. Amen. The Tenth Station Jesus is Nailed to the Cross Consider how Jesus, after being thrown on the cross, extended his hands and offered to his eternal Father the sacrifice of his death for our salvation. 
Every party involved with the killing of Jesus believed that they knew what they were doing. We too commit evil, both individually and corporately, thinking we're right doing so. We still don't know what we're doing. Lord Jesus, when we look at you upon the cross, forgiving your murderers, we discover the God who would rather die than kill his enemies. Help us to read the rest of Scripture in this holy light. Amen. The Eleventh Station The Two Thieves The other crucified revolutionary, though himself a victim, can't resist participating in the old way of victimizing others. This is the seductive power of scapegoating. Even as he dies on a cross, this victim finds cruel solace in joining the crowd and blaming another. But when we deal with our fear and anger, our pain and shame by blaming others, we achieve union with the Satan, and that keeps us locked in our own self-imposing hell. One thief sees in Jesus the possibility of a new kingdom centered on forgiveness and beliefs. The other thief cannot resist the old satanic way of exporting guilt through blame. But only one response leads to the paradise of union with Christ. Lord Jesus, we look to you on the cross, wearing your crown of thorns, and believe in your kingdom of love and forgiveness. Jesus, remember us and lead us into the blessed paradise of union with you. Amen. The Twelfth Station Jesus Gives His Mother to John What we have in this episode with Jesus, Mary, and John is a powerful picture of Jesus' vision for His Church, a community of faith centered around our Lord and His cross, caring for one another. We really should see the Church as our mother, and the Church really should think of its members as beloved children. I know the experience of church doesn't always live up to this vision, and I know it's easy to be critical of the church. But still, I hear Jesus say, Here is your mother. I have no quibble with the Orthodox and Catholic veneration of Mary, but I do prefer to see Mary as a revered personification of the church. At its best, there's nothing like the church a place where Matthew 25 is just a normal day, a place where the poor are fed and clothed, the sick are helped and healed, a place where the immigrant is welcomed and the prisoner is given dignity, a place where everyone is saint and sinner, a place where a judge and a felon can sit side by side on the same pew with equal status in Christ, a place where we can not only carry each other's burdens, but when necessary, carry each other because despite our vast differences in education and opportunity, opinions and politics, we are learning to love one another like Jesus loves us, unconditionally. This is the church I believe in. Lord Jesus, help us to behold the church as our mother, 
and help us to care for our mother, the church, in such a way that she can provide motherly love and care for her sons and daughters. Amen. The Thirteenth Station Jesus Dies on the Cross Consider how Jesus, after three hours of agony on the cross, consumed at length with anguish, abandons himself to the weight of his body, bows his head, and dies. O oh, my dying Jesus, I kiss devoutly the cross on which you did die for love of me. I have merited by my sins to die a miserable death, but your death is my hope. Ah, by the merits of your death, give me grace to die, embracing your feet and burning with love for you. I yield my soul into your hands. Death cannot digest divinity. Death's brazen attempt to swallow Christ will lead to death's demise. But now all we can do is wait for what comes next. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have fully shared with us what it feels like to be utterly forsaken. But we thank you even more that you have promised that you will never leave nor forsake us. Amen. Jesus is taken down. Consider how, after the death of our Lord, two of his disciples, Joseph and Nicodemus, took him down from the cross and placed him in the arms of his afflicted mother, who received him with unutterable tenderness and pressed him to her bosom. O mother of sorrow, for the love of this son, accept me for your servant and pray to him for me. My Redeemer, since you have died for me, permit me to love you, for I wish but you and nothing more. Amen. We want to thank you for joining us for the Stations of the Cross. This is the final station, Station 14. Jesus is placed in the tomb. Consider how the disciples carried the body of Jesus to bury it, accompanied by his holy mother, who arranged it in the sepulcher with her own hands. They then closed the tomb and all withdrew. Sometimes when we've done all we can do, there's nothing more to be done than to put everything in the hands of the God who will never abandon us. O oh, my buried Jesus, I kiss the stone that encloses you. But you did rise again on the third day. I ask you, by your resurrection, make me rise glorious with you in the last day, to be always united with you in heaven, to praise you and love you forever. Amen. 